And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Welcome to And Another Thing Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, how are you? Well, just before we went on the air, I was just scanning CNBC for any economic news out there mm. and just show just show you how uh, <laughs> wokeness or searching for wokeness, as we do each and every day, mm-hmm. is always at the top of our head. Yeah. I saw this headline, but I didn't finish it. But when I first saw the first couple of words of it, I went, are they claiming racism here? And it's (laughs) Taylor Swift, now Coldplay. And I'm thinking, oh, is it racist now to listen to Coldplay? The first thing that pops into my mind, you know, and I'm like, well, they're a quite white band, aren't they? (laughs) Well, and and it's not. It's the concert economics that's driving tourism in Singapore. Oh. <laughs> so it wasn't about racism at all, but just to show you that everything, everything you you sit there and you look and you go, oh gosh, where's this going? Well, uh, you know, for older guys like us, is it racist to listen to the average white band? <laughs> Picking up the pieces. Wow. Now I'm not going to get that out of my head. Yeah. I mean, uh, I it's if we need to help the left out, hey, it's racist to listen to Coldplay. There, run with it. If the liberals want to, you know, go after it and, you know, because they're they're the racists. They're the ones who think this way. Everything for them is race. They're obsessed. A uh, late dear friend of mine, British guy, uh, he was um, he was over here. He came over here. Uh, and and worked for it was a little over thirty years. Had a great career, but he traveled, you know, all over the world doing what he did. Um, great expert in trucking equipment. Just one of the, just a really great guy. And number one, I told him, "Hey, you've been in the states for a long time. Lose the silly British accent." Number two, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Number two, he would he would often bring up the fact that the media in the states was obsessed with race. He just said, I find it fascinating. It just it really seems like an obsession. Now, uh, his beautiful bride is an American uh, and she's a conservative, loves our show. And, you know, so I don't know how many conversations they had. I really don't know politically where he was. I I really never even asked him in all the years. I knew him well over 20 years. But that was one of his observations. And he, uh, up until the end of his life, actually, as a writer, he would would travel all over. Uh, He would go home to Great Britain, but he also traveled to other parts of Europe, you know, and, and, tra- and traveled quite a bit. And, and again, it's anecdotal, but his observation was the obsession of the American media, you know, on race. But it's how it's, you said this, I don't know. Uh, we're going to, what, what are we, 19 years this summer as a team. And so the better part of 20 years ago, you said, look, and we stopped one night. And it was like, hold on. This is how they think. This is why is it that they're so obsessed? It's because it's how they think. They cannot get beyond that when it comes to racism. They've got to be fully head on, just engulfed in it all the time. And everything for them is about racism. And, you know, it's it doesn't surprise us but once you realize that once you compartmentalize it as such then you know all right that's going to be pretty much every play every play every play and i'm seeing more and it's again it's anecdotal but i i really believe more and more people rank and file individuals left or right whatever that i talk to are now just done with that part of it. They're just, they don't, because I think everything was ramped up so much and concentrated during the COVID years. Now it's like, okay, you know what? Time to move on. Well, I, I think, uh, and, and I'm glad you brought it up again, because it's something that we should keep repeating over and over and over and over again. Even though we do, we need to do it more often because the Republican Party hasn't picked up on it yet. So I'm so glad that you brought that, that uh, up. And when we, well over a decade ago, were sitting here one day and we went, whoa, you know, we were just, you know, we hadn't worked together long and we were just talking about identity politics and why uh, the the left on any any issue, didn't matter what it was, mm-hmm. whatever issue picked up, well, you're a racist mm-hmm. because of that. Right. And we said, why is that the first thing that they throw at? The right. I mean, we'd get right. it on the show. People would, you know, call us, write us, whatever. You guys are racist. How? What's racist about it? Right. And they never could explain it except they just get louder. It's like, well, where does that come from? You know, I don't, I I would only look at somebody and say they're a racist if I could tie it to actual racist behavior right. or statements that were made. Right. And... We always looked at it and said, because, you know, even back then it was, well, if you're against illegal immigration, uh, you're a racist and a xenophobe. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, not yeah. the above. Right, right. Why do you keep saying that? And then we said, well, wait a minute. 
human beings, I think we all tend to think that if we think a particular way, everybody else does too. Right. Yeah. And so we don't we don't view anything that we defend as being racist. So we don't automatically look at anybody else, even if they're a Democrat, and say, well, they're a racist because of it. Right. On any individual issue. Right. But then we said, well, wait a minute. They're the ones. They're the ones that practice identity politics. And we went back to what we call the modern identity politics movement, which goes back to the late 80s, early 90s, when any type of black conservative and then black talk show, black conservative talk show host came out. Mm-hmm. And they were called, and any black Republican was called an Uncle Tom. You name right. it. I mean, it right. was just, it was brutal. And we went, why are they Why are they all doing that? Why do they expect that all blacks must think alike? Or if you don't think, if you don't have group think, uh, then you are somehow not a representative of your race, that your skin color disappears. And we went, well, that's just a bizarre way to think. And then we realized, wait a minute, they're obsessed with judging people by groups and not by individuals. We get it now. They think in racist terms. Right. So they believe everybody else thinks in racist terms. If they think in racist terms and they judge people by groups, well, by God, the Republicans must do it even more. And that's not the case. You know, it's remember on MSNBC when they were laughing at the picture of Mitt Romney and his family? Yeah. Yeah. And they were, I mean, they just went on and made a pretty long bit out of it. And then came back. I think the I, I think the child in the photo is one of his grandchildren, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Who just happens to be African American. And they come back after doing that whole bit and try and pull a Mia culpa and make the correction and make it worse by doing it. Yeah. You thought it was funny for a reason. You're making fun of it. And had that been Fox News doing the same thing about, uh, I was going to say a liberal senator, but we're talking Mitt Romney, a more liberal senator, that would have been shut down Fox News, fire everybody on staff. (laughs) And, you know, that's the thing is that they don't understand that they live there and they really do obsess about it. And the everyday rank-and-file person, um, we go about our day, you know, we, we go through our lives interacting with people, many of whom we don't know and have never met, and the overwhelming majority of time it's a very pleasant interaction, and everybody is, I mean, I, I just, I told my wife the other day, went through a, dr- a drive through to get some coffee, and both the person who, who took payment and, and the person who handed us the coffee, uh, both of them seem to really love what they do. And I said, you know, it's not an easy job, it's fast food, and, you know, we pull through and we get a coffee, and... You know, they're very busy in the whole thing. And a lot of times people just aren't putting on their happy face. Both of these individuals seemed genuinely happy. And I thought, that's refreshing. And then I pointed it out a couple of more times in our little trip that we took. And it 
It does happen, but most people are good people and they interact with other people and get along just fine. The left cannot stand that for well, one second. We live in a completely different society than we did 70 years ago. Yeah. It's completely different oh, when, yeah. it com- when it comes to uh, race. And so when you hear it, the left can't have that. Right. They can't. It must be the worst. And that right. we hear, you know. Exactly. But yeah. where that comes from is that's a product. Uh, I'll say, That's a marketing product of the Democratic Party. Hmm. Most Democrats that I meet, don't they? They don't. You know, I may disagree with them on many issues, but they don't think in racial terms right. it's their leaders that do right it's like it's like the it's uh just and and you could extrapolate that out to critical race theory mm. and then also bring in the radical transgender activist movement mm-hmm. in in this country where i don't believe the majority of democrats the voter believes that a biological male can be a biological female because the biological female says so right if they do then they got a problem. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't meet any, and I know lots of Democrats, and I don't know one that agrees with that uh, at all. So it really is the identity politics, to me, is a product of the national Democratic Party. No, you're right. And, you're right. and so, and judging people by, and the media, yeah. and the national media. Right. It's, a, it's about making America this incredibly... You would never, you would never get to the point in, you know, in, in California of the reparations movement Mm. if it wasn't the case of those politicians all believing it. And so I actually believe when, uh, when, and we said this during the summer of 2020, when you heard, well, the entire society is systemically racist. And we said, well, no, there is systemic racism in the United States, but it is squarely at the foot of the political party of the Democrats that keep promoting that we're a racist society, but their identity politics is what clearly shows they practice and believe in racism because they judge people by groups and not individuals. The great One of the great failings of the Republican Party is the fact that they aren't constantly messaging that. They call us racist. They're the ones that practice identity politics. They're the ones yep. that judge people by groups. Yep. What do you think anti-Semitism is? Right. Right. You're judging people as a group. Yes. Yeah. What, when, did, when it comes what did Jerry to, Seinfeld have to do with, with Israel? What did We talked yeah. about this at the beginning after October 7th. Because they were going after anybody who was Jewish or even supported Israel. But right. it, you, it, it, first of all, you're missing the entire picture when you do that because the aggressor is Hamas. Uh, these liberals don't know anything about the history. The very, even the 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 late history here, the later years of the history between what's going on in Gaza and Israel, they don't know. They just jump on, what are we protesting today? Let me write on my blank sign what it's going to be and they have no problem with hatred leading the way, their own hatred and anti-Semitism. And that's exactly what we see. Yeah. The the uh, the Jewish hatred in this country, again, is part of the identity politics. Yeah. It's part of bringing up those stereotypes of, of, of Jews. Right. 
you know, Jews have all the money. Mm -hmm. uh, Jews uh, control the media. Right. Actually, in talk radio, it's the Irish. We have never... That, that, it, can, that control the media. Going back to the very beginning <laughs> of this, the very genesis of this program, including Bill Mack, no one has ever been on this mic that isn't at least part Irish. I'm Scott, <laughs> Scotch-Irish. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's right, when you work with Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Kelly, Bill Mack, of course, who was Irish. And it's yes. like, we still don't have enough. Who can we? Oh, a McNamara's out there. That's right. Grab him. That's right. Bring him in. Bring him in. We need. We need to keep only the opinion of Irish people. That's right. We control the opinion. I'm trying to think of the. I think Hannity's Irish, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think here uh, of the. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the stereotype of the. Uh, politics of the Irish are. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. I yeah. don't know. I don't know what they exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> we, we have no idea. And and since we didn't get our talking points, and since <laughs> right, we didn't get our we didn't get our Irish talking points yet. Exactly. And since uh, we're not sure, but we believe alcohol is forbidden in the studio. That takes away that yeah. cultural thing. We're for pretty us. sure it's forbidden, even though it may or may not be easy to hide. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, but I think that's, I think, a great failure of the Republican Party over the last, really, uh, 30, 35 years yeah. is not to go right back and throw it right back in the Democrats' face when they call Republicans racist is look right at them and say, nope, you are. Yeah. You're the one that, pre and really the time when Tim Ryan challenged Nancy Pelosi yeah, for the speaker, right. and he yeah. said, look, the biggest problem we have is Democrats. We yep. have to stop judging people by groups. We need to treat them by individuals. The Republicans should have been all over that constantly and should have formed a consistent fight yep. and marketing campaign against identity politics of the Democratic Party. And speaking of the Republican Party, uh, Ronna McDaniel, uh, well, <laughs> bye. It's about time. See ya. McDaniel. Isn't that Irish? Yep. But see, she wasn't living up to the Irish qualities, the, the talking points. She she didn't get the talking points, which were for her. Get out. More of the excellence of the <laughs> Irishman coming up next. Yes. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, but the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine tire inspections and pay special attention to any unusual wear patterns. Once unusual tread wear is visible on a tire, its traction and stopping distance is reduced and its lifespan will likely be shortened. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Just looking here. I'm trying to scan different media. I went to uh, Google and couldn't find it anywhere. But uh, Breitbart uh, has a story that, uh, uh, according to the uh, Israeli uh, media, that the deal has uh, fallen through. Mm. Um I just had it here, and now I lost it. <laughs> it well, just, <laughs> we know. Uh, yeah, here it is. Okay. Uh, Hamas uh, uh, has rejected the latest framework for release of remaining Israeli hostages, according to reports in the Israeli uh, media. We'll get to more of it coming up uh, following the bottom of the hour, but it comes from the Times of Israel, noted on Monday. We'll get to that next. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, so the Times of Israel noted on uh, Monday, senior Israeli officials tell Hebrew media that there is mounting pessimism that Hamas will agree to a hostage deal laid out in the framework proposed by mediators. Both uh, Channel 12 and the Khan Public Broadcaster quoted a senior official as saying, they were told the framework uh, worked out in Paris by the U.S., Egyptian, and Qatari uh, uh, mediators does not correspond with Hamas demands. Yeah, There are reported splits among Hamas leaders, including rifts uh, between the billionaire leaders uh, who live in luxurious exile in Qatar and those presently hiding underground in Gaza who planned and executed the October 7th attack and are now on the run. Israeli government spokesperson said Monday that 103 of the 134 hostages still are in captivity 
are thought to be alive. Uh, the others uh, were either murdered on October 7th and their bodies taken into Gaza or were murdered in Hamas uh, uh, custody. And, you know, you had the president. And I'm sorry, it was embarrassing yesterday. Yeah. It's embarrassing that the international media sees him talking about what's going on over there and he's eating an ice cream cone. Hey, hey, I was just I'm looking sorry. at that it picture was, at the Times was, of Israel. It's on their front page of their website. And and I was thinking the same thing. That's ludicrous. Um you're you're talking about a right now the most serious of topics and you look like a clown save that for later if you're going to do a, like a state dinner or something then do that later do that in another setting if, if whoever allowed that to happen made it look like they were walking with a guy you know uh they were escorting a guy around uh, who's supposed to be in a home and under care, and, oh, just give him an ice cream and he'll know what to do. The rough outline of the deal was to involve a six-week pause in fighting accompanied by the release of 35 to 40 hostages, with Israel releasing some 300 or so Palestinian terror convicts and redeploying some of its forces within Gaza, though not leaving. Hmm. And, you know, of course, you I, I I wasn't even with you when we were both reading about this. And I guarantee we had the same thought. If that goes through, Israel knows they've destroyed enough where in six weeks they can pick up. Pick right back up again. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not they're not going to do it. And when I saw that, I went, wow, Hamas is really going to agree to that. And so when I saw later on, now I, I put it into Google. I can't find any other American media that's covered it so far. Breitbart had it again. It's from the Times of Israel. Yeah, it's where they reprinted it. I'm like, why doesn't any? That's it. To me, I was wondering yesterday. Okay, what's the deal going to be? 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 Now it was uh, 8:41 when it came out from the uh, last night when it came out from the Times of Israel. Israeli sources say Hamas rejecting framework of hostage deal agreed in uh, in Paris. It was just really fascinating that couldn't find it on Fox, couldn't find it on CNN. Why would nobody cover that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe because the situation is so fluid, I, I don't know. But, I mean, uh, Breitbart basically picking up on what the Times of Israel is, is covering. So why would you not at least cover that part? I don't know. Um, you know, the the... Story coming out in in uh, yesterday, and actually it's kind of been building over the uh, last uh, few days, and that is you know the Israelis having the leader of Hamas basically cornered there in Gaza, but the risk is okay. You take the leader out, and and then the hostage deal falls through, and so that was the you know the the question. If Hamas is turning down this deal, you know, it, it, this is, by the way, classic Hamas. Make it look like there's a deal about to be reached. 11th hour, hit the brakes. It, it tells me they're planning or they're scrambling and maybe they're trying to uh, relocate the leader, uh, their leader uh, to another area to, to get them out of harm's way. And and maybe they, you know, because they, they maybe they believe after the exchange of, of any uh, hostages, there would be an attack by the Israelis. 
but the Israelis, for the most part, um, and and not the intel fel- failures uh, that uh, that led to October seventh, uh, notwithstanding, their intel is pretty top notch, and so I, you know, it's it's hard to tell where they are right now. But if Hamas doesn't agree to this, and they're you know they keep hitting the brakes on this, Israel would probably have, and I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing they would have no option but to go after leadership. And that's what you do. You cut off the head of the snake. Um, you you bring those numbers way, way down. Uh, they've been flooding tunnels uh, and, and, and driving out Hamas. But eliminating Hamas completely is still a long, long ways away. And you don't want to be seen. The problem is the political pressure from the rest of the world to get a hostage deal done, if it is believed it can be done, is going to drive them in that direction. And so in that case, the Israelis have to hit the brakes, at least temporarily. So I guess we'll see what happens. But, yeah, this should have been a bigger story. You know? Um, Well, you know, it was like yesterday when I saw that uh, just – this is a different topic, but just talking about things that – you know, you see a story and you're like, why is nobody covering it? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this was just another question that I had yesterday, a little bit different than, than that one. And it was when the uh, the story came out that Trump has filed an appeal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, well, wait a minute. We've been told he can't file an appeal until he has the bond all set up. Mm-hmm. You've heard that over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm reading every story and nobody's people are analyzing it. I can't find where in where in the heck is the fact. Did he pay it? Did he come up with the bond? Who's you know who's fronting him that kind of money, you know who right right at this particular moment you want those details on it, right? Well, finally, later on in the day, Andrew McCarthy wrote on it and said Trump doesn't have to; he's got thirty days, so it's probably like the end of March where he would have to come up with that. Hmm. So he went through the process. So he can go. In, he can file in, within he, right, but but uh, odds are there wouldn't be a decision. I I don't know though. There could be a decision. Well, you can't predict predict the attorney general or the judge because if uh, well, well, there could be a decision that the appellate court could come and say, "Okay, there's a stay on all this. Oh, yeah. That on that side of it. Yeah. But we weren't told that that was a possibility because if the appeals court comes out tomorrow and go, look, this looks like this looks like this thing that you're going to be able to you're going to be able to reduce this amount tremendously, you know, based on it and and uh, and uh you and you've made the legal points that we believe can be made in court mm-hmm. that could possibly overturn it, and we'll give to, you a stay during the process right. on the fine, exactly, and actions. Well, I, I I was now again nobody explained it specifically, and even Andrew McCarthy didn't address that point that they could come and say, okay, he doesn't have to do it, right? But I just. I hate stories where I can never get an explanation. Well, or, I also or, didn't or, or, see or stories words, that aren't covered. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's it. You know, because it's lame and it's it's like okay, but part of the process. What the, the words I was looking for were emergency relief. Did you yes. see any of that? Because I didn't no, see any. Of that. No, I didn't see those words in any of the stories on the no. appeal yesterday. It was just basically going through the you know the the process of filing the appeal because I would think they would be seeking emergency relief to give them time to go through the appeals process. And maybe that's next. Maybe that's a technical thing where you file the appeal 
and then you also file the uh, the uh, emergency relief appeal to see if you can at least stave off that fine until the the uh, court process plays out. I don't know, you know, but um, hey, you're looking. What you're looking for is a stay, but we again every story I read and every legal analyst never never broached the 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 topic that no Trump is not going to have to pay this he you know he can he can appeal it's not due till March you know, whatever it is March 25th or something like that as yeah. Mr. McCarthy said right so he can appeal and if they come up with a stay a week from now it doesn't we were told I I was I was I guess uh, I was to believe that couldn't happen right. That yeah. he had to come up with the money right. in New York State immediately, like to file an appeal. He had to, as he's filing the appeal, he's got to have the bond, right? Yeah, and that's what what uh, I was led to believe, mm-hmm. and that doesn't seem to be the case at all. And I'm right, and it's just part of the frustration is can anybody get a story right at any time anywhere? Well, <laughs> you would think that also there, you know, th- th- we often see in situations like this. Uh, there are at least a handful of people that are good at uh, laying it out in plain English. And that would be, you know, because that's what I would be looking for. Number one, why it matters. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't been over to Axios today, but um, but no, the you know, the plain Englishing part of it. Uh, OK, here's uh, Dan Abrams and and, you know, um, uh, Andrew McCarthy and, and others. All right, here's what you here. Here's what could happen. Here are the possibilities. Here's what they should do. Even here's what his lawyers should be doing, and look for them to do this. This would be expected in a case like this. But uh, I just haven't seen a lot of that. And maybe it's because there really aren't any cases like this. The behavior of the attorney general and the behavior of this judge. It's just completely off the rails. This is not a typical case whatsoever. No, it's and not. And maybe that's why we haven't seen that. I don't know. You know, um, then, you know, I mean, another story. And another thing, Tuesday continues. Um, the And I know it's a completely different topic, too, but uh, we were talking a minute ago about uh, Hamas. Uh, who was heavily funded by Iran. But the uranium enrichment uh, by Iran, their enriched uranium stockpiles have dropped dramatically. And what they and what they have done is they've diluted their enriched uranium. My first question was, okay, did they and did the watchdog you know, organization that's responsible for keeping track of that. Is there any accounting for if they've diluted that uranium? Is it the same volume? Is it an increased volume of uranium? My question would be, how easy would it be for Iran to pull a a bait and switch to where they just replace their, their, their fully enriched uranium with diluted, but unofficially, that enriched uranium is still available and could be used in nefarious ways. The bottom line, we can't trust Iran. 
And so I didn't see any accounting for that, not that I expected it the first day. But that would be my question for anybody covering this story, is that if they're diluting it, well, then that means that there should be, depending on the rate of that dilution, how much you actually have uh, in the aggregate Mm -hmm. amount and are they keeping track of that? Where because did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? That's a, you know, or did they increase the volume by diluting what they had? Uh, the enriched uranium is way, way down. But is the overall volume down would be my question, because if not, then that leads me to believe, well, wait a minute, the enriched uranium may be somewhere else, and they put the non-enriched somewhere out in front of the watchdogs. That's my concern. I don't trust Iran for a second, and we shouldn't. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, the story of the illegal immigrant uh, allegedly killing that uh, Georgia nursing uh, student, uh, the uh, mainstream media upset about it because mm. how quickly it was politicized. Right. And the fact is we shouldn't make a judgment right. on on our yeah. immigration policies based right. on one incident. Yeah. yeah. We will address that coming up here in a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work out, that story that Wendy's to roll out an Uber-style surge pricing with menu prices fluctuating based on demand. Uh, yes. Actually, you've seen the availability of certain restaurants on uh, some of the delivery apps will fluctuate, too. Like, if there's a, a well, gosh, this might have gone back during the COVID years or right before but if there's a huge demand locally for a restaurant, in other words, they they got all their tables full inside the restaurant, uh, they will, they back then, they were shutting down delivery service, you know, maybe in the evening or at lunchtime during those prime hours because they just simply couldn't fulfill those orders. But the pricing is interesting. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This 
is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. And another thing Tuesday. And another thing. <laughs> you know what the problem is, don't you? <laughs> now, this is really interesting. <laughs> All right. That Seattle comedy club that canceled four stand-up comedians. After hey. community activists complained, uh-huh. yeah. according to the comedians, uh, the shows at the Capitol Hill Comedy Bar, meaning this from News Nation, uh, apparently offended the left-wing community activist and progressive comics. Is there anything that doesn't offend them? The four comedians were scheduled to perform in Seattle throughout the year, Dave Smith, Luis Gomez, Jim Florentine, uh, and Kurt Metzger, all are known for either being right of center or unwoke. The comedians uh, said that they received an email from the club owner and Booker, uh, who is also a stand-up comic, saying the gigs had to be canceled. Mm -hmm. The decision came after discussions with our team, investors, local comedians, and neighborhood advocacy groups. All right. According to an email posted by Florentine and Mesker. Well, take that, that word comedy out of the title of your right, club then. Right. That was sent to their manager. Yeah. Here's a quote from the letter here. Mm-hmm. This is in the Chaz District. Remember? Yeah. Chaz Champ? Yeah. Remember the Chaz District? Yeah. The Summer of Love. Summer of Love. Capitol Hill is known for its progressive values, and we've received significant feedback expressing concerns about the alignment of these upcoming shows with the neighborhood's ethos. (laughs) The, The feedback includes concerns from local advocacy groups that are deeply embedded in our community and work towards upholding its values, according to the email. You're not going to the show. I don't know why anybody would attend that club, ever. Anderson, what, what you're saying is we're not going to offer anything funny. Yes. Anderson wrote that the cancellations were meant to avoid any potential negative impact <laughs> on both our club and the artist involved, as well as to maintain the harmony within our community. Great. Start selling coffee. Take the word comedy out of the title. Gomez, who was slated uh, to perform in May and uh, and June, took the cancellations in stride. In a recent podcast, he said that Anderson has the right to cancel appearances and credits her for being respectful in the email. Still, it was a questionable decision. Are they idiots for booking us and then unbooking us? Yeah, it's a dumb move. Is my former agent an idiot for uh, for booking me? At a super woke progressive venue that, like, the entire lineup is like blue-haired freaks? End of quote. Former agent. Gomez said. Yeah. Actually, all of the comedians, I saw Jim Florentine speak to uh, uh, Dan Abrams on News Nation. Mm. All of them share the same agent. Do they? They've all been booked at another club 20 minutes away. But they, they, Gomez said former agent? In that quote, that oh, he first, did say, oh, he did say, is my former. He did. I don't know. Was he joking or was he? Because I didn't see that. Anyway. I just realized he put that in there. 
I, because I would be done. I mean, if you yeah. can't get it right, if and and by the way, they're absolutely right. The the club can do whatever the club wants to do, but don't expect yeah. that you know people are going to go there for actual comedy. I I like seeing comedy clubs thrive. I love the idea of live music and live comedy being a thing, and it's really more of a thing now especially with live comedy it's more of a thing than it's ever been but if you're going to if you're going to let activists shut you down then you're probably in the wrong business for your neighborhood and and i mean that genuinely you're not because comedy has never been kind it's never been kind aside from Nate Bargatze Aside from Nate Barkatsy, it's never been kind. Those are the things that you look at and and you ask about, you know, because today's comedy is about observational humor, and there's a lot of things that, you know, I mean, uh, Florentine, you know, it's when, when you hear him talk, it's like he's unmistakable. But you also got to know that, wait a minute, aren't there people from outside, you know, Seattle, you know, the, the, the city that would come to the club. This is what you're hoping that people that might agree with them or at the very least not be offended by anything that he's saying and are going to show up that wouldn't show up for other comedians. It's the whole point of booking different comedians all the time. Otherwise, you're just going to have the same very small group of comedians doing, I don't know what, three or four sets a week. Gomez suspects part of the issue was that young, jealous local comics who played the venue were upset that he and others were coming to town. Well, that always happens in any comedy club. People are always coming in. Right. Not that local comedians don't play, but comedians are always coming in. He said it's easy to find their offensive comedy online. <laughs> that, that, that That's what happens when comics don't have anything going on. They just look for drama. So Anderson found this drama within the comedy space there, and she was like, all right, I think they're great. But I'm not, you know, I don't need to make it a thing. Maybe they were concerned with protest. Seattle is like a super woke area. Listen to this here. According to King 5 uh, report Mm -hmm. out of Seattle, the Capitol Hill Comedy Bar (laughs) makes comics, quote, adhere to the code of conduct, which outlines expectations for respectful behavior and language. I've heard this before, by the way. Helping several... to create a safe and welcoming space for both comics yep. and guests. I've I've heard this before. There were some comics on a podcast talking about it. Uh, I heard it actually a couple of times over the last several months about this particular club. You can run the club the way you ever the, the way you believe you need to run that club for that neighborhood, but you're going to be limited in your offerings. And you know what? If you make money at it, then good for you. That's fine. I don't I don't have a problem with people if it's successful, but why would you book it and then cancel it? These these are national acts we're talking about. I know why the local comedians, the way they phrase it, local comedians, and those are people that aren't on the road yet. Those are people that aren't for whatever reason. They're not traveling. There are, by the way, some people who have a day job that will do weekend sets, and they don't want to travel. Uh, there's actually an older comedian who does that. Uh, I think he's now in the Nashville area, 
but he occasionally will travel, but he's just doing it. He's got a retirement. He's just doing it for the love of doing it. But most comedians, when you break into it, your goal is to, if you're going to stay in it, is to branch out, and then you're going to travel, you're going to fly, and you're going to do clubs. And the more seats you uh, tickets you sell, uh, you know, the more, and then you work up to uh, opening and then headliner and then, you know, Nate Bargatze now filling arenas, you know, um, those types of things are, are what you want. Then you want your own special on Netflix. You know, I mean, that's the kind of the, the, the approach. So when I hear the word local comedians, especially in, in the, in the context of local comedians are complaining about other comedians being brought in, that's how comedy clubs work. If you're going to do, you could brand it. And there might be a few, I don't know, that out there that say, hey, we're going to focus on local comedians only. All right. Uh, good luck. But you want to bring in those national acts because they will sell out. Yeah, I, I, I paid a lot of attention to comedy clubs over the years, and I have never seen a, Me either. all local Me either. comedy clubs. Me either. But if you wanted to do that, great. Good luck. If right that's, now. Because that's what you're getting down to in Seattle. Now, Why would you bring in a local act? Now, when or, I, lived, I mean a national. When I lived in Portland, I can't think of the name of the comedy club there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they used to bring in, there were some great local acts. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Dwight Slade, who, you know, Dwight, and you know, the uh, uh, best friends with uh, with Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. But he, but the, he was. The late comedian Bill but Hicks. But Dwight Slade went, he was, he was a national act fairly quickly. I mean. Yeah, he know. was he was a national act, but he. But, but he, he was from there. Right, he was local, and he, by Dave Anderson mm-hmm. also, and, mm-hmm. and uh Dwight and uh, and Dave did a uh, the late uh, Dave Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them did a uh, you know radio show right. uh, uh, together, and then right. Dave went on to TV afterwards. Mm-hmm. But they were you know they were known as being local, but they were always there. But they had the talent of anybody who was anybody who was national. They had it. well. That's the thing is that they could sell out the place. So yes. that wasn't yeah. the, the focus wasn't local acts. But if if a club owner wanted to do that. You know, you could probably get away with it in New York City, um, you know, because there's enough of them. But if you want to do that, that's fine, because that's what you're doing here. Because the risk is, well, okay, now what are you going to need? We're going to need a review of all of your material. You know, the rise of uh, someone like Nate Bargatze, although he's got a great reputation, he's been out there for 20 years, and most club owners, if you don't know uh, Nate Bargatze by now, then you you know, haven't been in the game too long, but just imagine there was a, the, you know, it, his, his recent rise really ramped up. I mean, to the fact, uh, to the point now, again, doing arenas, but imagine there was a comedian that a national became a national act. And then there was this just huge rise. Um, Angela Johnson, uh, she was kind of that way. Uh, she went viral back before they were monetizing YouTube with a couple of uh, routines that she did. Clean comedian, but massive rise. So imagine that's the case, right? And that club owner isn't familiar with all of their material. Well, I could see where even an Angela Johnson, again, a clean comedian, if you're talking about activists, they could probably find something wrong with her. But the fact is you couldn't have done these comedians a bigger favor. You just oh, put them man. in the national spotlight. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was funny because uh, Metzger mocked the venue's decision with hosting 
uh, with the host for practicing group think. The comedian laughed at Anderson, the manager of the club, for claiming his comedy doesn't represent the values of the community, noting residents put up with the homeless who defecate on Seattle's sidewalks mm-hmm. but can't handle jokes they don't like. Right. He predicted the club. Exactly. Will, he predicted the club will go out of business, but he did. He did note that he's not upset and doesn't want to see her fail. Uh, indeed, uh, he said he wants to help her by pointing out the absurdity of her decision, but he does want to mock the decision because it's the only way to end the woke madness. Well, you know, you think about that because, as you pointed out, you lived in Portland, and I know it's a different state, but it's it, there is the similarity between Seattle. And Portland of, and and by the way, most metro areas were in the metro. It's very, very, very blue. And then the more you work your way out on the outlying areas, there are more. It, it becomes more and more conservative or moderate. And you're, you know, the idea is to, I would think, to bring people in, not just from the metro area, but outside the metro area to come into a comedy club and see a national act, and you can sell tickets all day. But if that's not what you want to do, then, you know, that's uh, your business. I mean, you can run it the way you want to. It's it's comedy, and you're going to you're gonna be, you're going to have a very short list of comedians Right, but available. it's the push of the community activists who are Democrats mm-hmm. that wish to censor even comedic oh, yeah. viewpoints. Oh, yeah, and they get away I'm, with it right. in places like, Seattle. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. Never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So apparently Dice Clay will not be playing the Capitol Hill Comedy Bar. Oh! Uh, I just... just, One thing that disappoints me a little bit... Look, you know know this is going to happen because comedy is a very, very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And we have seen it with, like, Bill Burr, uh, for example, and... um, Oh, can't think of his name. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Okay. Ah, thank you very so much. I, I was I going mean, through ex, my the ex, list. Ex, ex, extremely, extremely powerful yeah. because the media covers what they do. Yeah. And extremely powerful, especially 
Chappelle. I, I would put Chappelle over, you know, Burr. Not that Burr hasn't had an impact, but I don't agree with everything they always say. I think they're. Com- I think some of the. I think comedy has to be based uh, somewhat on re- on reality, and sometimes it doesn't. The one with- thing I respect, and I'm with you on that. And the one thing I respect about Chappelle is he always comes back to a punchline, and there are things yeah. that he said, and it's like, okay, I don't know if if I agree with that or if that's you know the position I take. But then all of a sudden he circles back to a punchline. But the point is, he always makes it about the comedy. Right. And and uh, Burr sometimes says stupid things. And he'll tell you that. You know, and, and but but the fact is, I still find them humorous. And the thing is, there used to be a camaraderie that existed, you know, where it didn't matter. You know, you saw Rodney Dangerfield, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how much he helped young comedians. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, you go you talk to a lot of the comedians today. They're probably in their 50s and 60s. They'll say, wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for Rodney Dangerfield saying, come right. on, come on to my club, come on to my, right. come, come on to my special, right. the HBO specials he used to have on. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what your politics was. If you were funny, you got on. Mm-hmm. And that's what comedy is about. There used to be, I talked about this at times, there used to be a camaraderie. I am so old that the beginning of the modern talk radio movement, mm-hmm. uh, I was really a part of. Uh, you know, because I became a talk radio host in 89, which was, you know, really, you know, you know early for, uh, you know, political talk show hosts. Mm-hmm. I think Rush went national, what, in 88? Is that 88? Yeah, I think yeah. 88 he went. I think Rush went national in 88. Mm-hmm. And and so I remember when there was a camaraderie with mm-hmm. just because you were, you'd go to the talk, you know, there used to be a talk radio group that used to meet all the time. Mm-hmm. And... Everyone was there, and there was an excitement, whether you were a conservative or a liberal. Well, I mean, even a liberal back then wasn't what a liberal talk show host would be today, which is just, sorry, but it's pure insanity. Mm -hmm. But there was a camaraderie towards the business and helping whoever you could help out. If you could help somebody out, if they had a gig, if there was an opening, because you knew if there was an opening for a liberal talk show host, they weren't going to hire you. So you really Mm -hmm. didn't view them as competition it was that way in in general in radio in radio yeah and it's always been that way yeah, and and that's that there has you know been that loss and look we're adults and and you you deal with it mm-hmm. but there is a you know i look at you know what is driving new people into the 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 business and it was that it a lot of that camaraderie that existed even in talk radio but definitely in in stand-up comedy that stuff like this is is going to help uh destroy but understand that to me, it's really not about the comedy club because the comedy club can do whatever they want, mm-hmm. and they can have certain rules and regulations. There can be, you know, we're a, you know, we're a, what do they call it? The the bar, the clean comedy, dry bar, dry bar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we're going to be a, you know, we're going to be a kind of dry bar mm-hmm. comedy club, and that's right. fine. Right. It's the fact that you know that activists and government officials are getting involved in it to censor things they don't like. Right. And they're not a part of your operation. No. On the chaos, Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Red Eye Radio. And another thing, and Tuesday, another thing. Or Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want, 
if you can't listen live overnight. Uh, all right, here it is. I just, this, this is just something funny. Yeah. The headline, Hunter Biden claims not doing crack is a fight for the future of democracy. I love that. That being sober, staying sober, is the key to his dad's reelection. Hunter wow. Biden told not not doing crack is a fight for the future of democracy, the president's son told Axios Monday in reference to former President Donald Trump's bid for re-election. This is from Breitbart. Hunter's attempt to somehow tie the fate of the nation to his legal imperative to abstain from drug use fits his long-running narrative of victimhood. No, this is this is exactly what runs through the veins of the Bidens. Hunter Biden wants you to believe he's a hero for not smoking crack. Which makes made me wonder when I saw it yesterday, I really thought, okay, the people at the Babylon Bee are now hacking other media websites and posting on their yes. on their place. Because we that the other day, it yeah. was just stupid. And I thought to myself, also, is Hunter on crack right now as he's saying this? <laughs> you really believe you're the hero? I'm going to save the nation by not doing crack. Wow. Well, if that's the case, I should get some kind of award because I've never done crack. Eric is making America great again and has oh, been I'm for a long you, time. You are a patriot. I'm a patriot. I'm a great American. You're a sober patriot. Call Sean Hannity and that, tell him to tell me that I'm a great and and you're and, a great American. Mark Levin, Gary McNamara said it. They should be willing to say it. You're great. You're a great. For not smoking crack. You're a great sober American. You're a great <laughs> sober American patriot. <laughs> How dare you say I'm not a patriot? I'll kick your butt. Listen, you people. You people. Americans. 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 <laughs> you, you Americans. By the way, just. That's just. That is so. That is so Biden-esque. I don't even know how to tell you how to even measure it. It's so Biden-esque. You, I'm saving the country by not doing crack. You made me go to the Babylon Bee. <laughs> okay. I haven't done it in a couple of weeks. All right. Biden brags he could let migrants shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose <laughs> oh. any votes. Oh, wow. Of course, playing off of the line from Trump. Yes. yes. Uh, some years ago. Wow. Yeah. It says, get a load of these insane Christian nationalists who believe rights come from God and not the government. Yeah. And it's it's the Congressional Congress, basically a portrait from Philadelphia. Back with the <laughs> right, <party>. yeah. <laughs> Declaration of Boy, that Boy, that died quickly, didn't it? Yeah, it did because it was so horrible. Yeah. It just it, that, it imploded very quickly, as it was probably always going to do. And 
but you look at that and it's like, well, actually, that's an accurate statement. Mm. <laughs> we, we're, we're criticizing the Babylon Bee for <laughs> not being, being too being too serious, being, being being too truthful, being too truthful. They're supposed yeah. to be parody. Now, this one, mm-hmm. this one's ba- New York prosecutes couple for fraud for listing their house at four hundred ninety nine thousand dollars when it ultimately sold for four hundred eighty five thousand dollars. <laughs> so you and I've talked about over and over yep. again. Yep. And then my favorite facing low approval. Biden promises to start pretending to care about the border. <laughs> I love it. Well, have you seen what's been going? I mean. What's been going on there is amazing because he and and the conservative media has recognized it, mm-hmm. including us. Uh, but he, you know, th- that story was floated out there. Yeah, that story right. was floated out there. Trial trial balloon. What if I do an executive order? What if I do an executive order? What if I and there was a huge backlash from the left on this. Mm-hmm, Shut mm-hmm. down the border. What are you mm-hmm, talking about? Mm-hmm. You notice nothing has been done. Corinne Jean Pierre, I believe it was yesterday, was asked the question about it. She goes, I have nothing out. I uh we haven't made those decisions haven't been made whatsoever. And I think they're running in the opposite direction now. Right, right. That they realize that they can't think about this. They realize this is how far this is how incredibly bad the democratic party has become Mm. he knows he can do an executive order to stop what's going on at the border yeah and so his approval ratings are so bad and they're getting worse that it's like okay i may have to reverse this and do an executive order think about this and then it's it's a ping pong ball going back and forth because they can't make a decision which should be the most the easiest decision for any president of the United States to make but he can't do it can't do it they can't do it grappling over it day and like obama grappling over well no as we know obama was just lying when he said he grappled over gay marriage yeah he, he was at martha's vineyard it. He wasn't grappling anything. Yeah, so the, but 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 here it's just like they can't make a decision on it. And she was like a little bit indignant. Well, no, there's been no decision made on anything like that so far. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the this is the story that is good. Well, you know, that's that hasn't happened at this point, and I won't talk about it. It's like, whoa. And so another day goes by, and you hear nothing on it. Well, you know, the thing is, is that it's, and we're coming up on, what, next uh, week from Thursday is the State of the Union address, and we'll see what, you know, they have slated for that. I think there's going to be something about the border. But the problem with Biden is, is that he can't undo Joe Biden. All these are the moves that he made. He has the power to implement them and then now pretends he has no power to undo them. And then the scenario that I saw at the time frame, Trump announced he's going to the border. The next day, Biden yeah. announces he's, he's going, going to the to border. The border. Yeah. I mean, it's just so horrible. Right. Yeah. It's just like, stop it. Right. And then the response of the White House, oh, we had no idea that Trump was going to the border. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Anybody believe that? Nope. Not for a second. They it, know every Trump. It, they it, know every Trump move, but not that one. It's sort of like him going to Ohio for the, for the over. What was it over a year later? Over a year later for for the uh, the the train derailment. Mm-hmm. 
And the the people were out there just booing everybody they talked to. Don't come here now. Don't come here now. I mean, it didn't work in his favor. Did they think that was going to work in his favor? I Let's send him out a year later? I still cannot wrap my brain around that one. You ignored it for all of this time, and then you believe now is the time to go in. I just, I would pay money just to see how decisions are made in this White House, to sit in those morning meetings, to see what kind of a bubble of delusion they live in. Right. Because they do things that you know are going to come back and bite them big time. Yeah. And they do every time. And you wonder, is this calculated? Are they throwing up their hands going, look, there's nothing else we can do. We know we look, we got to keep Biden out there because if we hide him, it's not going to work this time. So we've got to have him out there every single day because him being out there every single day is one of the reasons that he's having so much problem. I saw Megyn Kelly the Mm -hmm. other day say, uh, I think it was at CPAC. Say, you know, what about the campaign? Well, Trump should sort of fade into the background and let Biden continue to talk. <laughs> that it might be beneficial for, for Trump to back off a little bit and not be in the news. Something we said and, last week. And 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 have and have uh, and have Biden, you know, Biden out there everywhere doing everything, and Trump just sort of disappear and Trump go in the basement and Biden will sabotage his his uh, his own election we, because we he's out there last week. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it, and and by the way, it would probably work. The problem is though, they're you know, they're trying to do Trump moves and they're they'll never be able to do it. They'll never be able to because here's the thing. Again, on the border, Biden can't undo Joe Biden. Just like he, you know, can't let anything that Trump did stand. He's got to reverse that. But there's no way that he can reverse anything he's done. There's no way. He just can't. I'm telling you, there had to have been, there There probably is right now, multiple people, advisors at high levels, close to the president, saying you've got to do something, and he's the one saying no. No way, Jack. I'm not going to undo what I did then I'd be admitting I was wrong. Well, think about this. He can never reverse anything that he has done. Right. Even though he has done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just won't say he's done it. He'll deny mm-hmm. that he's that he is uh, uh, doing it, and he can't fire anybody. No. Nobody has been fired in this administration right. that deserves to be fired. No one. Right. He won't do it because I believe he looks at it as a failure, and he can never fail. Or he believes, not that he can never fail, he believes, I never fail, every decision I make is correct. And they're insane decisions, but that's, again, the delusion in his head. Yeah. No, it is. It is. And it's the bubble that they live in in the White House where there seems to be no acknowledgement or no understanding about anything, any yeah. of the major issues. Yeah. They take the wrong position on every issue. Who was it that said that Biden was wrong on every single major foreign policy decision 
that he's ever made. Who was it that said that? Oh, who was it? Who said that? Was it a Democrat who said that? I just got mind blank here for a moment. Yeah, I can't remember, but I do remember covering that. And and that's exactly what's going on here. Biden can't be wrong. And if he reverses his own actions on the border, because how do you actually effectively go start to go in the right direction? You can't do that without reversing your own executive orders. Right. You can't. And from what I can see in the early polls, there haven't been a lot, but the one poll I saw, Biden had dropped again on immigration. Right. And I just looked at, uh, what is it? Uh, I can't think of the name of the pollster, the one that we cover all the time. Civics. Civics. Yeah. Civics poll, mm-hmm. he's minus 22 now. Yeah. He's approaching his lowest numbers there. Right. What's going to save him? What's going to make a difference? I, I mean, I, well, if, he, if he doesn't look, care to save himself he believes everybody else is wrong still you know and in fact coming up here i mean they're hoping that trump gets indicted right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you saw that poll that showed that was it a third of uh republicans or a third of americans whatever won't vote for him if he's indicted and that's Mm -hmm. why they're trying to indict him Mm -hmm. except polling came out here the last couple of days yeah what i say he's convicted yeah what i say indicted Indicted. Mm -hmm. okay convict yeah i meant convicted Mm mm-hmm well, polling's coming out. It says the exact opposite. Yeah. I'll, right. I'll get to the polling following the top of the hour. And that's why nobody can read what's going on here. Because a one poll, a third of Republicans won't vote for him. Well, the polling shows he would win even by more of a margin if he's uh, indicted. Mm-hmm. Convicted. I'm going home. Because I've been joking. He's, <laughs> he's And somebody else made the joke. He's just two indictments away from... From clinching the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The presidency. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that's you know that's, I tend to believe that is a there's a very good chance we would see that. Yeah, we'll have the polls here uh, following the top of the hour. I just found it fascinating. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. It was former Defense Secretary Robert Gates yeah. who said that about yeah. uh, uh, Biden being wrong on every major foreign policy yeah. issue. He uh, was appointed by uh, by Bush and retained by Obama mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until 2011 yeah. as Secretary of Defense. So, uh, yeah, just um, amazing what's going on here now, right now. Really is well. It's it, you know the dynamics of of again uh, Biden and his defiance. Um, he would get a walk with I think a lot of Democrats. I I can't quantify it, but I do believe he'd get a walk if he came out and said, "Listen, we are a nation of immigrants," and you know the whole thing. Blah 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 blah. Uh, right now, the border is being overrun, and we simply don't have the capacity. And so changes are necessary, and we hope that one day, you know, we can welcome even more people, blah, 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 and then you make your move. But I don't think he's going to do that. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you choose in case you can't listen live overnight. All right. Looking at uh, the latest polling out there, this is this had a drive Democrats crazy yesterday. Uh, Harvard-Harris poll out. General election, Trump versus Biden. Trump, 53, Biden, 47. Trump plus six. Hmm. All right? Uh, If you add Kennedy to the mix, Trump plus seven. If you add Kennedy, West, and Stein to the list, Hmm. Trump plus eight. Now, breaking it down even further, this is the same poll all taken yesterday. Remember, general election, if it was hypothetical, uh, the uh, matchup Biden against Trump, Mm. Trump wins by six. (laughs) If Donald Trump is convicted by a jury for inciting the Capitol riots of January 6th, who would you vote for president? Now, remember, when that question isn't asked, just head-to-head, Trump up by six. If Trump is convicted by a jury for inciting the Capitol riots of January 6, how much is Trump up? Eight. <laughs> you will have... <laughs> he starts paying his lawyers. Hey, uh, you guys may not want to show up on certain days. So you have a significant amount of, according to the polling, I'm just kidding. We're not yeah. saying polling is always accurate, but <laughs> but according to the poll, you have a significant portion of Americans, mm-hmm. 2%, that will not vote for Trump unless he is convicted by a jury for inciting the Capitol riots of January 6th. Now, typically... And there is nothing typical about elections anymore, ever, again, ever. But <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Typically, it would be, oh, no, if he's convicted, that means that there's something there or whatever. And it would bring it way down. He actually gets a bump in this one poll. Well, we've heard that from a third conviction. of we've heard a third of Republicans won't vote for him if he's indicted right. for anything. Right. Not or according if he's to convicted the, of anything. Convicted yeah. of yeah. anything. Yeah. Too late on the indictments. Thing. Convicted indictment. Yeah. Convicted indictment. Mm-hmm. Convicted indictment. I do know the difference, by the way. Mm-hmm. Convicted indictment. Uh, now, 
if Trump do, is, by the way, do, do, do the respondents to the polls know the difference? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a great point. <laughs> now, if Trump is convicted by a jury for RICO in trying to influence the 2020 election results in Georgia, would you vote for the president? Now, Trump doesn't win by six. He wins by four. But he still wins. But he still wins. Yes. All right. And the only movement, any the only really significant movement would be an independence. Hmm. There's really no movement at all. I mean, there is a little movement. Let's put it this way. You have 16% of Democrats that would vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted by a jury for RICO hmm. in Georgia. Uh, if it's... If he's convicted by a jury for inciting the Capitol riots, Democrats 14%, so 2% less. And the same thing for classified uh, documents, 14%. So actually more Democrats would vote for the president if he was convicted by a jury for RICO. Is that because of everything in the last couple of weeks where that where that thing's going? God, it's yeah, not, it could it's, be. It's not, could be. it's not going well at all no. for them. No, but if Trump is convicted by a jury of crimes relating to his handling of classified presidential documents, who would you vote for? That's fifty-fifty. But it's not a—you're not losing. There is, in fact, the the interesting thing is, if if Trump is convicted by a jury for inciting the Capitol riots on January sixth, ninety-one percent of Republicans would still vote for Trump. All right, so ninety-one percent for that. Ninety-three percent would vote for Trump if he was convicted by a jury for RICO uh, in Georgia. Ninety-four percent would vote for him if he's convicted by a jury of crimes relating to the handling of classified presidential documents. By the way, I'm not surprised by that because the the classified presidential documents is the absolute example of Republicans of a two-tier system of justice, especially with Biden you know, getting off because he's mm-hmm. elderly and feeble. Yeah. Of of uh, of no charges. Mm-hmm. So it's not Repu- Republicans are not abandoning him at all. If he's convicted. Ah, I got it right this time. Good. If he's Good convicted. Job. No, um, I, I think all of it probably to some extent, uh, to a large extent, falls under the uh, two-tier justice system because well, it, at the very least what it tells you is that there's not any confidence at all in the cases against him that republicans by and large believe that these cases are weak and and this is where if you're doing if you're doing exit polling from states that have open primaries mm-hmm. as we said yesterday it's useless. Yeah. You know, unless you can tell me, as we said yesterday when we were looking at South Carolina, unless you can tell me, don't give me the percentage of independents and how they voted. Give me the numbers. Right. Give me the raw numbers. Right. That That's what I need because that's the whole point when they say, well, this is evidence from the primary. Well, the primary is an open primary. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't count that. So it's interesting to see the Harvard-Harris poll. Not a conservative pollster by any means. Harvard, mm. Harris poll. Mm-hmm. 
And I just thought those numbers are the numbers are fascinating. And Democrats had to throw a fit, especially because if you think about it, the 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 pet conviction that they really want is January 6th. Yeah, that's that, the one they well, they and have, it's the one that they want to. I think to some extent they want all of these to fall on the party, but that's the one they also want to fall on the party. Really, more than any of them. You know, they want that to really stain the party for a long time. But according to Harvard Harris, if Trump is convicted by a jury of inciting the Capitol riots of January 6th, according to Harvard Harris, he wins by eight instead of just six points if you don't ask any of those questions if you just say who you're going to vote for right so he does better if he's in yeah. if he's convicted by a jury for inciting the capital riots like i said there's never <laughs> politics will never be the same again. no it's it's everything is it really is it's um i i won't say it's scorched earth because i, I mean it is in in some ways but it it's indicative of people recognizing the two-tier justice system and the fact that these cases are weak and there's only one motive behind each of them, all of them. It's political motivation. The, the voters see that with January 6th, you had a demonstration that got out of hand. And they clearly don't believe that they that Trump was responsible for it. He gains support if he's convicted of it, of inciting a riot. Mm-hmm. Which is to say, then that's clearly they know number one, it's all just politically motivated, and that if they reach a point of actual conviction on this, then it's a justice system that is absolutely broken. And we have to speak out against it, and we'll vote that way. That's what you're seeing here. And January 6th or January 7th of 2021, I don't know that I would have seen this. Because it was clear that, and we said it then, said it all the way, you know, up through the whole bogus January 6th committee thing. It was clear that the Democrats were going to use that. And now that's failing them. If January 6th doesn't help the Democrats, nothing does. Nothing does. If they can see right through that, if the voter can see right through that, Democrats have nothing. And honestly... I would go back to, I would fall back on what I've been saying recently, and that is, if I'm advising the Democratic Party, stand down, wait on the sidelines, let 28 be your comeback. Well, and, and some people will say, well, it's, or midterm. it's terrible that Republicans do that. Well, but we know that Democrats stick with the president if he is convicted or mm-hmm. impeached for obvious influence peddling. Right. Yep. So we can you can play that game all day, mm-hmm. but the fact is Republicans look at the justice system now and say there's a two-tier system of justice. 
right. Democrats can get away with things that Republicans could never get away with. Yep. That the Democrats lie. There was no insurrection. Right. It was right. made up. Right. It was a riot that got out of control. Mm-hmm. It, as we said, you don't. As we said the day, we, as we said the day it happened when we came in that night, Republicans don't try to defend this in any way. Right. You can't mm-hmm. win. You cannot win the imagery of it. You still right. can't win the imagery of it. Right. Just let it go and move on. You can say it was a riot that got out of control. It wasn't an insurrection. Don't focus or obsess over it. But clearly the voter, at least according to this poll, doesn't put this on Donald Trump. No, they 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 do not. And so, um, you know, you you uh, when you when that again, in my mind, that shows that the public and a significant portion of the public, including independents, believe that there is a two tier system of justice. And if you're paying attention, you understand the whole Russia collusion hoax. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And the fact that they tried to, by the way, they tried to start that again. It really didn't, that didn't get legs a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, it, it didn't. That here we go again, Russia. It's like, wait a minute, Russia collusion one was made up. It was a creation of the Democrats. Right. It was a creation of the Hillary Clinton campaign. It was a, it was a setup. Yep. Yeah. And they all knew it. They knew it. Mueller knew it. Mueller knew it in the, inside the investigation. They all knew it. Right. All the attorney, Weissman, those people that worked for him. They knew it was a setup. They all did. I think a lot of rank and file, uh, I don't know about Democrats, but a lot of rank and file voters in general looked at that. For anybody who was looking at any of those scenarios with Trump as the big gotcha and waiting for Democrats to deliver, they look at it and say, well, there must be a reason. They keep promising to deliver on these things and they never come up with anything. We know why that is. We know the motivation. But we were saying back then, if you're waiting for Mueller to deliver anything, he's not going to. And, of course, he didn't. If you're waiting for any of these things to deliver something, look, they might get a conviction. Finding a liberal jury isn't that hard to do. But if you do, it helps him politically. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, and I'm Gary McNamara. On uh, Monday's broadcast of uh, CNN's uh, AC360, host Anderson Cooper stated that the horrifying facts of the death of that Georgia nursing student on the campus of the University of Georgia last week and the sense of loss over her death have now been compounded by the revelation that the suspect was in this country unlawfully, and how quickly that fact became politicized. Cooper said Georgia officials today released grim new details in the killing of uh, the nursing student on the University of Georgia campus last Thursday. As if the initial facts were not horrifying enough, 
or the sense of loss not deep enough by now, and all of it has now been compounded by the revelation that the suspect was in the country unlawfully and how quickly that fact became politicized. You know, you and I have talked about this before. That's the dumbest thing that Americans say. Mm-hmm. Well, an issue comes up, and, and then politics takes over. That's like saying an issue came up, and talking took over on the talk show. Now, who sets the border policy? How do, How's border policy shaped? Well, politics is involved in it because politicians make all these decisions. Exactly. Yeah. We're like, everybody's just politicizing it. I mean, they made a big deal after 9-11, you know. That was just 19 people out of uh, countless people that came here. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what he's saying. Well, they just want to focus on, the, because the liberals were also doing that. Well, they just want to focus on the one. And after 9-11, they just want to focus on the 19 hijackers. Yeah. That's the point of securing the border, knowing who's here, who they are, vetting them properly, and keeping track of them, even if they come here legally, because we're a nation of laws. After Cooper's comments, he played a report from CNN national correspondent Ryan Young, excuse me, Ryan Young, that discussed uh, suspect Jose Abera's legal status and record and mentioned uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and 2024 Republican presidential candidate, former President Donald Trump, criticizing President Joe Biden's border policies over the case uh, where Young stated that Trump was uh, hyping the current border crisis as Biden's border invasion on Truth Social, saying Riley's murder should have never happened. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really tragic that the left just seems to want to dismiss everything now. They really just want to dismiss everything now. Uh, you don't see how great the economy is. You're just not paying attention. Ah, you're just trying to politicize the whole border thing because somebody who shouldn't have been here commits murder. Takes an innocent life. You're just trying to politicize things. Well, it's not going to work. You know, you and I talked yesterday how you saw it on social media a lot. We read, I think we read uh, one of the comments that was talking about uh, the fact that uh, because and Democrats have come out with this as one of the talking points. Uh, over the uh, the last week is don't you understand that American citizens uh, per capita commit more crimes than illegal immigrants? Yeah. Right. That's always been the dumbest argument you could ever bring up is I gave the example. Let's say I'm living, I have an apartment. I have two roommates. I'm sharing it with two roommates and they're ripping me off. They're taking money out of my wallet. Mm-hmm. And so... I want to keep the door closed, and they say keep it open. And then somebody comes in from the outside and steals my money, and their defense is, yeah, but we live with you, and we're taking money, so we should continue to keep the door open. Yeah, more people take it from that live with you than from outside. Right, exactly. Dumb argument.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning and uh, and welcome. Uh, again, politicians are involved in politics, so anything they do can be called <laughs> politics. Right. You're playing politics, which is with the uh, Democrats are are trying to scream <clears throat> uh, against the Republicans after the uh, the murder of uh, Lake and Riley, and it was interesting because the RNC is on full attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw this one uh, came out yesterday, and this is uh, Lake and Riley's illegal immigrant killer crossed the southern border on September eighth, twenty twenty two. Three days later, Kamala Harris told this uh, uh, to Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border. There you go. Uh, And so it's going to be used against you because you're the one that's saying the border is secure. Let's go. Let me see. I want to get to to the other audio that I had here, uh, which was representative... Uh, Katie Porter here that I had. Boy, I've got a lot of stuff here. Here it is. Okay, this is Representative Katie Porter uh, yesterday on uh, on CNN. All right, here we go. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. By the way, it's not our immigration policy. This is Biden not following the law. It's not our immigration policy, what's going on uh, at uh, the border today. It's the choice of the president of the United States to create this chaos. And what do you mean one instance that we shouldn't analyze that, that one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy? When you go through it, the instance after instance of how he wasn't either incarcerated or kicked out of the country. Right. That is an issue. Right. Because it's part of the immigration policy. Or your immigration policy. It's the immigration policy of sanctuary cities. It's a discussion on overall what happens when you don't enforce federal law at the border and then states become sanctuary cities and say we won't cooperate with the federal government. It's a textbook case. But no, we shouldn't talk about it. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Really? They know they can't win this. They know that this is... And and remember, in 2016, there was a similar case. Someone here illegally who murdered someone. And those are the... Those are the things the left can't get around. Biden and the left are losing on the border. This tragedy is like an exclamation point on the issue because it's exactly what all of us who want a secure border have been pointing to as the greatest risk. People being here that you don't know are here and they commit the most heinous of acts. And that's exactly how this went down. 9-11, 
was an INS problem. It was a border issue. Well, this we tragedy here is a border issue. Well, we shouldn't let one incident like 9-11. It's just, Gary, it's just 19 it, it just out of the not, millions who have come, come in. Here. Right, exactly. So we shouldn't allow Just that. 19 hijackers. It was just, right. you know. You know, don't let 19 of them. Right. It, th but that's exactly because what the left wants you to do. Dismiss it and not recognize it. Right. For what it is. Right. We shouldn't be making a big deal about 9-11 because it was only 19 that overstayed their visa. Do you know how many millions right. of people are illegally in this country that have overstayed their visa and they haven't done anything? Right. The overwhelming majority don't. Good God. These That's exactly are... the point they're trying <clears throat> to make on this one. Oh, you shouldn't politicize it. Oh, we don't need, look, we don't need to go on and on about it. The victims and their families deserve justice. And the great injustice is that the guy was here in the first place and shouldn't have been. Well, there's lots of crime that happens around the country. And every time somebody uses a gun, you will have a Democrat come out and state that we need to get rid of assault weapons, even if they used a handgun. Right. So... It's a du the dumbest thing. And that thing. all gun owners, right, including and especially lawful gun owners, are in the wrong simply by having their guns and had nothing to do with the incident itself. Right. In fact, you got to the point of Alvin Bragg in New York. If you commit an armed robbery mm -hmm. with a gun illegally, right, but you don't shoot it, you just use it and wave it and point it at the people, that should not be a felony. Right. He had a reverse app. Understand how these people think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just as if, seriously, you know, what kind of drugs are they doing that we don't know about? I don't know. Hunter is sober. I mean, maybe, maybe you and I could. He's saving the nation. Maybe you and I. Well, that's maybe for him, but everybody else seems like they're high. What are they all doing? What are they? They they seem to live they seem to live content lives promoting insane things mm -hmm. and be very calm about it. What kind of drug? What kind of new drug did Huey Lewis come up with? I think Hunter Biden came up with it. It's like, what are they all doing? Can we can we have some? And what do you want from this drug? I just want to make the most asinine analogies and have the most asinine opinions on the issues out there that completely would destroy society and be very comfortable with it. I don't know if they make a drug that powerful, Gary. Yeah, you're asking a lot. It may not make a drug that powerful. It may not exist out there. You're really asking a lot. I mean, it's just nuts. It's just absolutely crazy right now. It really is. Meanwhile, <clears throat> after... Uh, after uh, the no labels were making their rounds mm -hmm. on on uh, the Sunday morning news shows, mm -hmm. Nikki Haley has downplayed the prospect of a third party run. Says I'm a Republican. Are you? Are you really? Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley on Monday appeared to reject the prospect of running as an independent or third party candidate. 
Should she fail to claim the Republican nomination? Should she? Should she? <laughs> I know. Should she? Haley remains the only primary challenger to former President Donald Trump of any standing, though she has yet to win a nominating contest and lost her home state of South Carolina over the weekend during an appearance on Fox News. Haley stated, I've been a conservative Republican my whole life. I'm not going to switch over and have a Democratic vice president. That's not something I would do. My heart has always been with the Republican Party in this country, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm a Republican. I have not talked to any other organization. I've not put a second of thought into an independent run because I'm a Republican. That's what I've always been. There you go. Yeah. So All right. that's so now the no labels party's got to find somebody new. Who's out there? I mean, they're starting from scratch now. I I say you go back. I I say you get a canoe and and uh, and paddle out to uh, Joe Manchin's boat and ask him again. <laughs> why is this that, time? This why time... is that image embedded in my mind? <laughs> when he was sitting over there, he was sitting in the boat, and he's hanging over it. This, this time, say please. And then you find out he's got like pretty wild parties with other members of Congress on there. Yeah. I mean, wild as, you know, not, I don't mean. Like four wine coolers, not just. Yeah, not not, not naked women running all over the place and stuff like that. Sorry, I had the image of naked women in Joe Manchin, and I just couldn't, my brain couldn't process that thought. By the way, thanks for that. Appreciate you loading that out there. I do my part. Yeah. Great. My (laughs) therapist will do the rest. (laughs) Remember the back. That's going to cost remember, me. Remember you shouting down at reporters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Permission to come aboard. <laughs> Who is it? The no labels party. <laughs> okay, fine. Permission granted. <laughs> Tell Gilligan to put the ladder over the side. Hey, little buddy. What <laughs> <laughs> I love was last week when Mansion mentioned John Kerry. Yeah. And then Carrie's like, no. <laughs> yeah, Carrie. And then uh, Man- reportedly, it was like that same day. Carrie, uh, or uh, it was it, not John Kerry. Not John Kerry. Good God. Yeah, Did Mitt I say Romney. John Kerry? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carrie uh, said I, no a long what, time ago. All right. What am I on today? I don't know. I can't I get convicted. Maybe some Heinz ketchup. I don't know what's in that stuff. <laughs> no telling what's in that John stuff. John Kerry. God. Yeah. Uh, same, yeah. Mitt Romney. Same difference. Pretty close. You, you can understand it's my pretty mistake, close. right? You it's can pretty close. So my mistake is understandable at least? Yeah. Okay. Except one's a Muppet, one's a robot. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> and apparently Mitt Romney just, and I think it was a default code that just went off. No, no, no. That afternoon that he, the, the, the day Manchin brought it up, it was a no. Yeah. And what was funny, because I joked that Mitt Romney was probably watching it live streaming and screaming, no! Yeah, you did say that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know who, I don't know who they get. I don't know who they get. Who who would want that job? By the way, the No Labels Party includes Andrew Yang, does it not? Yes. Ooh, run him again? Well, my question is, why haven't they? Because saying you want to give a thousand dollars to every American under some way too way too low is way too low, right? It would have to be a thousand dollars a day. Yes, not not a month. 
we're way past basic that. living, basic uh, monthly income. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's got to be a thousand a day. Uh, five, we'll go five grand a week. Twenty grand, and Gary, we're just talking about a living wage. You know, minimum wage, <laughs> five grand a week. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I would think they just put Andrew Yang back out there. It's not going to be, you know, it's. I just don't know who it would be at this point. March begins Friday. <laughs> Super Tuesday is a week from today. By the way, if you look at the delegate count uh, for Trump, uh, his campaign oh, yeah, uh, projecting that. that he's you know probably going to uh, hit that mark uh, and become the presumpt officially pre- officially the presumptive nominee. And by the way, he unofficially already is uh, within within a couple of weeks now. Um, you know, Super Tuesday would will really put him over the top, but then he'll he'll technically be over the top uh, a week or two later. But that's then you start looking after they've after he's clinched the nomination officially. The no labels party well, look it's it's just throw Andrew Yang in. But Andrew, here's the thing: what they want is to undo Trump, right? Who steals from Trump? Andrew Yang doesn't steal anything from Trump. No. Okay, I've got one. Because hmm. we haven't heard much from him. Would Chris Christie do it? I'm guessing no. <laughs> I had to throw but I could on. be wrong. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Well, Dr. Phil was on The View yesterday and actually talked some border stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. And I don't know. I mean, should we take what he brought up, just, you know, one instance of what might be going on where uh, children uh, are, uh, you know, through the cartels, are being uh, forced across the border to enter prostitution rings. I mean, should we really change because uh, for our the, immigration policy for the majority over majority of the, the situations? That's right. not what's going on. I mean, Republicans are talking about eighty-five thousand children that have gone missing. Right. Should eighty-five thousand children really matter when it comes and really make us change our immigration? Right. I'm sorry. I, had, I mean, I gotta, Representative Katie Porter. Well, I mean, but that's, this, that's, that's the, exactly their their thought. The, well, look, we're not. We shouldn't just focus on the one incident, or you know, maybe eighty five thousand eighty five thousand incidents, or one point nine million gotaways. You know, just think about all the people that didn't get away.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Let us uh, check out Dr. Phil was on The View. All right. First issue, uh, the border. All right. You went to the southern border. Now you're saying that you're going to give people facts. What did you take away from that experience, and what kind of reporting are you going to be bringing back from that experience? I'll tell you a fact I took away. I talked to the head of all the border guards down there, the head of the union. I asked him straight up, kids are coming over the border with numbers written on them, phone numbers and addresses. Do we check those out? He said, well, we call them. Is it possible that we're sending them into known prostitution rings or sweatshops? He said, it's not possible. It is absolute. We are using American tax dollars to ship children into known prostitution All and sweatshops. Or some children. Well, who knows? Okay. We don't know. I said, are you? So, what kind of checking do they do? So, they, they call the say, number uh-huh, and, and say, "Do you know about this child?" They say, "Yes." Will you receive them when they come? Yes. I said, "Is it possible that that's a prostitution ring?" He said, "We ha- we know enough to know that it, in a number of cases, it has turned out to be absolute." sex ring. It has turned out to be an absolute sweatshop. I said, how is this possible? Well, what do they and he do said, then? it is happening. What do they do then if they know that that's happening? Where is the U.S. Attorney's Office? Where is the... Here's the Damn here's good the question. You have, to, you have to re-ask that question when we come okay. back. Sonny, you were about to ask. Yeah, and, and I, I don't mean to derail us, but um, you mentioned that there are children crossing the border with numbers and names. Many of them are, those names belong to their family members, but you're saying, and, that, and that's true, but some of them are sex trafficked, some of them are sweatshop trafficked. Why uh, do you think the federal government is not involved? Uh, why isn't the U.S. Attorney's Office involved? Is it a resource it's issue? It's a resource issue. And have they reached out to the Biden administration about that? Well, uh, you know, it's, it, it's hard to know. They say that they're so overwhelmed with processing that that's all they can do. They've become social workers and processors mm. and not investigators and border guards because they're just processing, processing, processing. Well, Dr. Phil, I want to make sure we get to your new book, which is um, We've Got Issues and a lot. You see, they moved quickly away from it. No one disagreed with him on The View because you can't counter it. You can't. And the Border Patrol Union has been very clear. Of course, The View is not going to point out what the Border Patrol Union is is saying unless they bring a guest on like a Dr. Phil. And you can't debate what Dr. Phil was saying because he's getting it from the people who are doing the job, and it's exactly what we said. It is not border patrol. It is border processing now. That's what they have become. The agents are no longer doing what they're trained to do. They're doing what they're told to do by this administration. Now, by the the women on The View who claim that they care, Mm -hmm. that they care so much, 
You didn't hear one bit of outrage. No. No, one bit of outrage about what he was saying. Because They were asking true. questions, but nobody was saying, my God, how can that happen? This should stop it. You didn't hear any outrage. No, they, no. You know, they just moved on. Let's yep. talk about your book. Yep. Well, but by talking about his book, mm-hmm. they get themselves into another area mm-hmm. where they're completely clueless. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Phil, and I didn't play this audio, so you would do Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. just so you know. I don't care how much audio you want to play, Gary. I'm not doing Dr. Phil. All right, here we go. You can stay (laughs) on it all day long. I'm not doing it. (laughs) They get into COVID and school children. Mm. And you should hear, now Whoopi does get passionate about it, and he just very calmly just destroys her argument. And again, They have to move on. Mm-hmm. Here we go. You were referring to it in the last segment, how much has changed since you first got started in this. And one of the things is social media. Mm-hmm. So you say you're not the only voice in your kids' ears, so you have to be the best voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explain that. Well, think about it. In like 08, 09, smartphones came on and, and kids started, they stopped living their lives and started watching people live their lives. Mm. And so we saw the biggest spike and the highest levels of depression, anxiety, loneliness, and suicidality since records have ever been kept. Hmm. And it's just continued on and on and on. And then COVID hits 10 years later, and the same agencies that knew that are the agencies that shut down the schools for two years. Who does that? Who takes away the support system for these children? Who takes them away and shuts it down? And by the way, when they shut it down, they stopped the mandated reporters from being able to see children that were being abused and sexually molested, and in fact sent them home and abandoned them to their abusers with no way to watch. And referrals dropped 50 to 60 percent. So there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going there was, on. They were trying to save. They were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died during this. So it wasn't people weren't laying uh, around eating. Children. Okay, he said. You hear him say, "Not school children." I just said, "Stop." This is where you get back to what I've said the view has become. Mm -hmm. The view now perpetuates the wrong stereotype that women are idiots. Right. It's an incorrect stereotype that women are emotional idiots who don't know any of the facts at all and react by emotion. That's what the view does. It but we know people who have per- died. Perverted stereotype. And, and so, you know, trying to divert away from the actual debate here. Right. But, Dr. Phil said, not children. Right. Here we go. Well, you know what? We're lucky. Maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could be sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group, and they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Well, Phil, we don't even have time to talk it out now. <laughs> well, we, we got to go. We got to go. Got to go. And so the audience knew. Mm-hmm. The audience apparently knew yep. about children. They and were so, affirming what he said. Right. And there, so there's that's a, what the applause was. Right. There's, there's a view... There's Whoopi putting out garbage, you know, and not differentiating the fact that 
some of the things that state from the very beginning, there's only a few things that that came out for being true. We know that COVID is extremely fatal for people over the age of 65 with an underlying condition mm-hmm. and obesity. Mm-hmm. And you're talking anywhere probably between, uh, you know, where you are in the world and other, you know, health facilities, 10 to 20%. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a closer 20% as you get to 75, 85, but it's extremely deadly there when you look at it compared to other diseases. We know the nursing homes, what happened. Mm-hmm. For children, the complete opposite. The complete opposite. And you weren't going to stop the spread right? by keeping kids at home all the time. And the parents were still going to work. You had them in an enclosed area. Remember, we you, we were saying, remember, remember here in Texas even for a short period of time. Well, there can't be more than four kids playing outside together. Right. Remember that garbage? Right. And everybody we, inside. So shared air where right. people were still... Coming and going, anybody basically who could drive was still leaving the house on a regular basis and coming back, and everybody else was right there in the same environment in close quarters. They thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Pure insanity. And and we, we had asked those questions at the time. What, what are they talking about? Why would you do something like this? But for children, we knew that the death rate was lower than the flu. Mm-hmm. By the way, all that... Uh, undermines that insane notion that Whoopi, you know, put out there. Well, maybe it's because we kept them out of school. No, you don't understand. They were all in close quarters with other family members, and those family members were coming and going in a highly communicable disease that was being brought back to the house on a regular basis. Everyone got COVID. Not everyone tested positive for COVID. Everyone got it. Yeah, everybody was exposed to it, and it, it, there got, was, it got into their system. It, 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 it varies to the degree of the effect of COVID, but everybody got it. Yeah. And children dealt with it. I had, uh, it was every, every one of my eight grandchildren all had it. Mm-hmm. They all had it. Yeah, it, it was it, nothing like what the adults had. When I went to my uh, doctor last time, it would have been end of September. Oh, I have another one coming up then, that means. Mm. <laughs> but, I, but I asked him, I said, because, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the latest COVID boosters. And he said, have you ever tested positive? I said, no. I said, even when I was sick, you know, when I thought I had it twice, one time when I got really sick, it must have been the flu because it wasn't COVID. And uh, the other time after I had got my my shingle shot and it was I was so I was so out of it. I said, this has to be COVID. And I I, but I said, no, I never have. I said, so I I said, was I exposed to it? He says, oh, oh, yeah, 100 percent of people were exposed to it. Mm -hmm. Everyone was exposed to COVID. Yeah, because you couldn't get away from it. Right. And and so um, but in that discussion, that's that's where, you know. From the medical point of view, it was like, well, it's not a point of view. It's the fact, you know, everybody got it. This thing moved through all of society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't. And, go- and you, keeps moving through right. society. So you weren't going to stop it. No. That was and, never going to. That was never going to be the case. So children were exposed to it repeatedly. Yeah. And this insane notion, well, maybe it's because we kept them out of schools. No, because their parents still got it and they were home. But I'll say it again. 
the view perpetuates the complete wrong stereotype that women are completely ignorant on the issues but still emotionally will voice a passionate opinion while being clueless. But we know people who died. Yeah. That's not the point. That's not the argument. It's not the debate at all. They go out of their way to sound ignorant, and it's likely because they're ignorant. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions during daylight hours and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads, during rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's our crony, and I'm Gary McNamara. One of the reasons that uh, we uh, played Dr. Phil was, uh, number one, what he had to say about uh, the border and uh, and children being trafficked. Uh, and it does relate to the story that came out yesterday. Nearly two dozen Republican attorney generals are imploring the Biden administration to act following grim reports that 85,000 migrant children are missing with reason to believe that some are being trafficked. You know, this has been a news item for what, the last year? Mm. You would think that this would garner more outrage, and it really hasn't. Yeah. No, it hasn't. It's like nobody cares. Whatever. Children right. being trafficked, that's fine. Right. Biden keeps the border open. There's no problem. Right. All right, let's talk to Dr. Phil about it. Oh, it's happening. Okay, let's move on to the next segment. Right. We care. We, we claim we care about children. We can't claim, can't, excuse me, claim we care about <laughs> uh, innocent people. We don't care. I mean, it's in a letter sent Monday, uh, the Iowa Attorney General, Mississippi Attorney General, and the Utah Attorney General wrote to Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas uh, and the FBI Director as saying the United States needs to stop handing children to probable traffickers. Jeez. The fact that they've got to even put out something like that, what an embarrassment. Losing 85,000 kids is like losing the entire population of Sioux City, Iowa. This is unacceptable. Uh, the Attorney General's told Fox News Digital in a statement. The one said, as a mom, it makes me sick to know that many of these missing kids have been trapped into forced labor 
and exploited by heinous sex traffickers. It's the federal government's job to keep these children safe. Did you hear anybody from the administration saying, we need to do something about this because this is a crisis? No. Nothing. No. The left doesn't care. You heard it on The View. They got to. They have to change the topic because they can't the face it. Change the topic. Change the topic. It doesn't exist. I don't see you. I don't hear Where's you. Where's AOC crying about this? Not at all. Remember, the cages, the cages, Trump and the cages. Um, that uh, was uh, Obama's, Obama's cages. cages. Yeah, Obama cages. But don't blame Obama because you know most of the kids weren't in a cage. If Obama. Obama is the smartest president we ever have. If Obama caged any child, there was a legitimate reason there for it. There must have been a good reason. It must have been the child's fault. If the Trump administration continued it in any way, they are Hitler. Yeah. Obama is a saint for doing it. Insanity. And now that you have 85,000... And that number has keeps going up and up and up. And it's like it's been brought up in Congress. You don't hear a peep from the administration. You don't see any liberals upset about this at all and saying, look, we understand we're for open borders. But, my God, we're not for open borders. So uh, moving now close to 100,000 children may be in forced labor or part of any type of sex ring. Right. Nothing. You were nothing from them at all. Right. Absolutely nothing. And that's why we brought that clip up, because it all relates to the other story, but uh, with Dr. Phil, because you can see they weren't outraged. They weren't saying, my God, we have to do something. This is uh, absolutely unacceptable. Nothing. Okay, we need to move on. Let's move on to your book. Right. That mean it didn't help, because when they moved on to the book, they got to children not being in school in COVID, and Dr. Phil set them straight there, because, again... The women of The View are completely and totally clueless. They are as ignorant as anyone out there. They really are. Oh, no, they are. Absolutely are. And they can't debate somebody who's got the facts on their side, ever. What's the over-under on Dr. Phil and the next time he'll actually appear on The View? I'm guessing eight months to never well, as we've said, I mean, The View is unique in American history because I don't know of another talk show that basically have the lawyers constantly monitoring the show in order to tell them that, look, you've got to recant. You've, you've got to put a disclaimer. You've got to recant what you just said there because it's a possible lawsuit. Yeah. That's how bad these people are. That's how ignorant they are. That's how... Uh, how they are at a loss for what the truth actually is, that they need lawyers. They're constantly monitoring the show. So in any instance, they can send them a statement saying, you got to backtrack that. Yeah. Yep. It's insane. Jeez.
music reviewers, and sometimes political commentators, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I see a tweet that the Democrats put out uh, about nine hours ago. Ready yeah. For this? It says, the Democrats, that's our president. Fact. Almost 4 million Americans have had their student debt canceled thanks to President Biden. Mm. That's it. And I was just, I was looking at it because it was actually a Jordan uh, Peterson tweet where he said, there you are buying, you know, uh, there you are publicly admitting I'm buying your vote. Yeah. But as was pointed out, and we would point this out immediately, this is where, again, the big lie is on it. Almost 4 million Americans have had their student debt canceled thanks to President Biden. That's a lie. Yep. It's a lie. It's not canceled. No. It was transferred. Yep. Somebody else has to pay for it. There was no canceling. It was transferred to someone else. Why does the president and the Democrats continually have to lie about that? Why can't they say... We are wiping out your debt and putting it on the backs of the American taxpayer. Well, wealth redistribution used to be one of almost their rallying cries. If you think about it, they were okay with talking about it. But at some point, they couldn't talk about that anymore. I don't know. They hit a wall maybe in the uh, in, in some of their polling. But the fact of the matter is, is that It is wealth redistribution. The American taxpayer is the bank in this case. So those of us who didn't have a student loan get hit with all these so-called cancellations. They are transfers. Nothing more, nothing less. You and I think the exact same way. And we had never met each other and still thought the exact same way. Our debt is our debt. It's yep. nobody else's debt. Right. It's up to me to pay it off. Mm-hmm. All my debt is up to me. There is no virtue signaling. There should be no, zero contentment and joy that somebody else is paying off your debt. You took it. You're responsible. You have an obligation to do it. And when you do it, you should be proud of the fact that you did it. But that's yours. Yep. Not my responsibility. And that's the other thing. No, I'm into quiet quitting. I don't feel like working here. I'm not getting paid enough. I don't want to pay my debt. I'm not responsible for a damn thing in my life. Please take care of me because I'm a damn baby. I'm a child. That's what's happening in this country right now. I'm a child. Take care of me. Well, I got mine. I don't care about anybody else. Right. I don't care who else has to pay it. I don't know these people. That's a child mentality is what that is. Well, but, and, You're and, a and we child. should expect nothing Not less. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> so we should expect nothing less, by the way. When we put into office and expect that the, and are okay with those people that we put into office, 
spending our money like it's not theirs because it isn't theirs. When you're spending someone else's money, when someone else is footing the bill, it's always a great day. Tell me what's wrong with the equation. Well, we can tell you what's wrong. No, there's nothing wrong with the equation. Actually, we, we have a point we could make about what's wrong with the equation. No, everything's great. I got mine, or from the lawmaker standpoint, or in this case, the executive branch. Well, what do I care? And, and I'm not spending I'm not spending a dime of any of the money that Hunter got for me from foreign entities. Well, I'm spending their when, money. And when you look at the statistics, the vast majority of the money are going to the elite. We're actually yep. we're actually it's income redistribution from lower incomes to upper incomes. The it, same thing that electric the, vehicles are. Yep, the electric data vehicles shows are the same thing. The data shows they're going to make more money over their lifetime. Yes. You're welcome, taxpayers. Thank you for helping them make more money. Right. But the well-off... Regardless of whatever right. your stat, your educational status is. And so you're a college graduate. You're most likely a liberal. Mm-hmm. If, you're for, if you're passionately for this because you don't feel you should be responsible for your own debt. Right. You know everything, but you're completely clueless when it was time to take out debt. We had no idea. We know. But I know what's going on and how to run the world. You can't even take care of your own life. And at some point, what goes around comes around because that's going to continue as long as that mentality allows uh, that to happen politically over and over again. It only gets worse from here. But now... We're not okay with that, but clearly you are if you're okay with other people paying your debts. Well, when you look at it, I mean, it's like, okay, the elite, the 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 more well-off get their college debt paid off. And then they go out, because that's who buys it, then they go out and buy an electric vehicle that also is subsidized mm-hmm. by those who can't afford to buy an electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. And that's viewed as moral. Now, how do we know? on the college loans that Biden and the administration and Democrats know that what they are doing is immoral. How do we know? What is their admission of it? By using the word canceled. They know that's a lie. Who was it the other day that we were talking about that was saying, oh, it was a Clyburn that was stating that well, this is completely wrong for people to say that we're paying. We're, you're it's not paid. Right. Yeah. That, right. No, nobody is paying anything for it because nobody's paying anything because uh, the they the majority of students have already paid off their principal. And this is just interest. So nobody loses on it. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. Number one, it's reframing loans and simply saying, no, you're only morally uh, obligated to pay in a loan uh, the principal. You don't have to pay the interest that's accrued on it. Right. And apparently that interest just magically disappears and nobody has to pay that. It's completely false. He's lying. Why is Clyburn lying? Why is uh, James Clyburn of South Carolina? Why is he lying? Why is the president lying and saying it's canceled instead of transferred? Because they know they can't virtue signal if they tell you the truth. Because they're burdening other Americans with your debt. That you've decided to quiet quit on. You see how many people haven't paid their college loans now since the COVID after the, you know, delay of it. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, right. because they, they, they actually told them. 
for the first year going back to these payments, you know, being due, we're not going to report it to any of the credit agencies. So you get another year reprieve of this affecting your credit. We're not going to report it. They get another 12 months. Why pay it back? If it's not going to affect your credit, then you don't start until after that 12 months has passed. And when that comes, they're, again, they're going to kick this at least until November 5th. Keep kicking this down the road and trying every administrative move that they can. It's the only thing they can do. Give stuff away. We need to buy some votes. We need to pretend like we're doing something for people while screwing everybody else. Well, and the thing is, what you say is we're simply here. This this is a beautiful thing we, we can do. We, you know, I'll forgive this debt. We'll just throw it in the lump sum. Most American Americans taxes won't go up now. The the uh, what will come due will be down the road. And those people will be clueless as to actually what they're paying off. Because, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be itemized. Right, it's not going to be itemized. That's yeah. what you're doing. The national so. debt isn't itemized, unfortunately. When you throw it up into the, ah, what do we got now? Thirty-three trillion, two hundred trillion. Well, you know, it's the same concept. You know, we've talked about the same concept of tariffs. Mm-hmm. Milton Friedman talked about that all the time. Mm-hmm. That what you do is you sit there and say we're going to protect these five hundred jobs right here, and you can point out what they are, but you don't see throughout the system. It isn't broadcast when three people lose their jobs over here, two people over here, and all the suppliers that supply there is no you, accounting for that. and all these right. different. There is no accounting for the people that lose their jobs. Only the people that gain their jobs, so it's naturally viewed because it's marketed that way as we're saving these jobs and nobody is hurt. Right. And it looks like that's why you have so many on board for that kind of policy. Yeah. It's because it always looks great. Look, we're look at the jobs we're saving. Look at the jobs that are being killed. You know, one of the things that, that, that uh, both with the uh, Bush steel tariffs and also the Trump steel tariffs, and having to reverse those, it happened fairly quickly. And the reason it did is because it made noise when companies, especially during the Bush tariffs, when companies said, well, we can't afford it. We're going to have to go somewhere else and set up manufacturing. And it's because of the steel tariffs. And they had to come back and they had to reverse it. And it's the same thing here, you know, with the 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 not canceling, the transferring of student loans. And I would ask any Democrat out there, why won't the Democrats tell you the truth? Right. And then Clyburn last week with that one. Mm. I go, where's he going? What do you mean they paid him off? Mm -hmm. Well, the majority of them, from what I know, paid the interest off. And so all we're talking about is the interest and nobody has to pay that. What are you talking about? Seriously, I mean, uh, Clyburn was again talking like an elementary school student who is completely clueless yeah. on economics. No, and he's absolutely. a leader of the Democratic Party. Right. And he's completely clueless and throws out such an in, such incredible lies. And you're just shaking your head and you're wondering, do people listen to this and go, wow, this guy's really full of it? Right. But that's how you know right there in that advertisement on Twitter from Democrats for the president the president canceled four million as if just canceled it. We go back to the old write-off on Seinfeld. Yeah, they, well, they just write, write it, it off. off. Doesn't cost anybody well, anything. Well, no, that's just because that's what they want you to believe. 
It just kind of dissipates. And then Clyburn, oh, no, they, they paid it. They just didn't pay all of the interest to. And, and you know, who knows? They still might go down that road and, and take that one and try and run with it and say, listen, they paid back what they owed. Oh, my gosh, then, if we could extrapolate that out, then how many mortgages would be paid off? Well, that actually is a lie. It is a lie. Uh, because when, when I got my mortgage, I got the principal payment and I got the the total payment of what will be owed if I paid if I paid it back monthly. I got the total figure of what I owed at that. Point. And when you first started making those payments, a much greater chunk of that was interest, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, they and wanted- you couldn't say to them, "Hey, at any point, I've already paid you back the value of the house. The principal amount has already I paid made payments in equal to that." original principal amount i owe you nothing gary certainly you tried it right oh yeah yeah i went to them and said i only want to pay principal yeah i'm done because i paid uh, the x amount in principal when i was a bill equal when i was a bill collector and i collected line of credit most of the time Mm -hmm. uh and people would call up and say i can't pay my bill i want an extension we and we said no problem. We'll give you an extension. You know how many months do you do you need on it? And you know I'd say, well, can you do two months? And then I should be back on my feet. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for two months in principal. Yeah, right. I only asked for interest to be paid. Right. The principal remained. Right. The interest. The principal's not the is owed. And this this I mean, but this delusional mindset that well, interest isn't part of the loan. Mm-hmm. That's not a part of what you owe. You right. paid back what you owed. I no, should pay didn't. nothing for borrowing the money. Right. Jeez. Good luck with that. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. So I go back to that question. Yeah? Uh, why are Democrats not telling you the truth about student loans? Why do they keep saying they're canceled when they're transferred? Right. Why do they do that? Because they know they can't sell it if they talk about we're transferring, because that's the truth. The yeah. uh, college loan quote, forgiveness program transfers loans from people uh, who took out the loan and made the contract for the loan. Let me rephrase it. The morality that we have right now of the Democrats is the person who took out the loan is not as responsible, is not as responsible to pay for that loan as somebody who had nothing to do with taking out the loan and signing a contract. That the moral cases, the person who didn't sign the contract owes it. The person who did not sign the contract does not, or who did sign the contract does not owe it. And the complaint of the people who are responsible now for paying it because it's transferred to them is going unheard. You don't get a voice in this at all. Well, you will November 5th.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 